You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Hey, good morning, everybody. Come on, good morning. I'm awake and I'm alive. I got coffee in me. Like, what else could you possibly want after you get to church? Come on. We want to welcome all of you who are watching online. Hi, Rich family. Give them a warm round of applause, if you would. What's up, everybody? So glad you made it. We have people watching today from Wyoming, from Panama. Hello to the Thorntons in Panama. We have people watching from Zambia, from France, from England, from Abilene, Texas, Mineral Wells, Texas, and from God's country all over East Texas. Hey, what's up? We want to kick a shout out to you. We love you. I'm so thankful that you could tune in today. And if you're watching this online, you like what you hear, click that share button. That always means a lot to us. If you would uh, use your social media to spread the word of God, it's an awesome thing when you do that. So I appreciate you being here. And let me just say, as we get into God's word today, turn over to Matthew chapter 28. And I just want to say thank you for being a generous church. You guys are awesome. I believe this year we're gonna watch this building be completely paid off. It's gonna happen. You guys are generous and I cannot wait to be able to celebrate that with you. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And I believe that it's gonna be awesome when it gets here. So welcome to church. I think God's got something special to speak into your life as we turn our attention to his word. Matthew chapter 28. I wanna wrap up our series called The Long Lost Recipe today. The Long Lost Recipe. And we're specifically talking about some things that are timeless and some things that are just kind of cultural and generational things that will wear out and other things that God's word says, no, no, no. Even if culture doesn't accept this, God's word said, this is how it needs to be. Whether you like it or whether it fits or whether it doesn't fit, this is the truth. There are some things that our world has rejected that God's word says, no, no, no. Culture can't change that. Modern times can't change that. You need this. This is timeless and a powerful part of what God is speaking to us today. So there are things that have changed and there are some things that needed to change. There are some things I thought would never change. I I thought I would always see the day where we would always have phone books. And some of you you know, like you still use a phone book. We're gonna help you. Like you don't need those anymore. Uh, Except for the coupons at the back. That's still pretty cool. But I still remember the first time I saw my name in a phone book. You remember that? The first time that like you, there used to be a time where you wouldn't say, oh, that person doesn't have my number. We had it. Everybody had it. And there was a book delivered to your door at least once a year where you would have everybody's phone number. No one is safe. And before caller ID, they didn't even know who was calling. So they had to answer. You could look, I remember doing this, looking up your teacher's name and then calling them on Sunday night. Like, you better not show up on Monday. You're like, whoa. We learned how to threaten people from a young age because hashtag finals. That used to be a thing. But the first time I ever saw my name in a phone book, I'm, I'm like, I, I exist, I matter, I've made it. Like my name is in there. I'm, I'm part of a community, part of something special that's big. I've got my address and my name. I have a number, I matter. And I thought about you know, the things that have been generational like, like cursive. It wasn't until 2004 that Congress said, you don't have to teach cursive anymore. I, I almost failed because of cursive. Kids today can write code, they can't write cursive because this is a generation raised without being able to write in cursive. Now, if you've ever gotten a card from me or a letter or anything that I've, that I've signed personally, I still write in cursive to this day because that's the way I was taught. It's the way that you do it. But like, who writes anymore? It's, it's, it's strange. But I also remember the first time that I actually signed my own signature. 
Do you remember that moment where you signed like a, a legal document where you signed your name and you're like, wow, I, I practiced on this in the third and fourth grade and now I'm actually like writing it for real. Remember the first time I signed for a loan for a new truck, which was a horrible idea. No one talked me out of it. Horrible interest rate, but the truck was cool. Come on, somebody. It was cool. And so I remember signing my name like, I matter here. And that, that salesman was like, yeah, keep signing. Keep, I got 12 more for you to sign. Yeah, keep on signing. Great truck, great truck. <laughs> but that signature, then, I, then it got my mind thinking about something else that's kind of passed away. And that was the multicolored pin. You remember that? It had all the colors around the top and you could just press whichever color that you want. And all of us did the same thing. We tried to press all the colors at the same time, even though you knew it wasn't gonna work and try to sign all these different colors. And I was talking to my wife about signing the signature. I said, did something I noticed about like younger girls, they would always like write their first name and then the last name of any boy that they thought was cute. Did all of you do that? Seriously? Because we had this, we had this ongoing conversation last night that every girl has done that. They see a cute, cute guy and they're like, oh, Ashley, what's his last name? Preston. Ashley Preston. You know, how does that look? Does that sound? And you kind of do that. And I said, now, when you and I started dating, did you do that with me? She said, no, because I didn't want to jinx it. And I felt pretty special. She's like, I never, ever wrote my, my name with your last name until, the, until after you proposed to me. And I started writing it out, Tina Ingram. Look at this. It's got a nice ring to it. But it got me processing through as I was talking about Matthew 28. The process by which every single human being has to deal with something that is gnawing on the, each, in the, on the inside of us. Each person that has ever existed has a desire to make a difference, to leave their mark, to say, I mattered, I was here, I did something, I exist, I'm here. And all of us have a longing to do more than just take up some space to breathe for a little while, but to actually make a difference, to live a life that says, hey, I was here, I did that. And of course, where I came from in, in, uh, on the north side of Fort Worth, that was just done by tagging stuff. You'd grab a can of spray paint and you'd put your name and you could uh, declare your undying love for whoever you were dating that week. And then if somebody didn't like you, they would come along and scratch that name out and write their name over the top of it. And that was, that was how you knew somebody wanted to fight you. This was just the language of the streets. But we would put, your, put, our, put our name on something because I, I matter. I want people to see like I'm somebody. I exist. And whether you, whether you recognize that or not, this has been happening from the beginning of time, from, from before people could put even chisels into stone, before they could make a statue or put a, put a signature on the wall of a cave. People have been trying to scratch that itch with everything except for what Jesus says is the most important way to make a difference, to make a life, to exist. What is the point of us being here? You see, we can say that the point of my life, and if I'm gonna really make a difference, I need to become a hero or invent something or, or do something really awesome or be selfless or give some money away and support something that's, that's outside of myself. Those are wonderful and powerful and passionate things, great things to aspire to, to live a life that, that makes a difference in that way. But ultimately, does it make, look at me, does it make an eternal difference? Because this is what Jesus took his disciples into an eternal difference. They were constantly looking at the miracles of Jesus and saying, how can this make a difference in our world today? And Jesus is saying, you gotta think bigger than that. Making an eternal difference. You see, God put the desire for all of us to say, I exist, I matter, I made a difference. It's inside of us, but we wanna separate that out from the call of Christ, who says, There's, that's in there for a reason. It's to bring glory to me, to make an eternal difference, not to just bring glory to yourself. 
When we start recognizing what Jesus is saying to each of us, we discover a long lost recipe for something that's more than what anybody else is looking for. We discover the keys to really living a life that makes a difference. How would you know that you made a difference? Does it need to be validated by people? People saying, you made a difference in my life. That's always great to hear. I love that. I love when people tell me that, hey, you made a big difference in my life. That's a big deal. But more than the feedback of people, what about what the Lord says? Have we made a difference that echoes in eternity? Something bigger than just my lifetime or even a couple hundred years after me. And I think the key that we're finding in God's word still speaks to us right where we are today. You see, our world wants to, wants to find any opportunity to make a difference that, that, that is self-promoting and says, look at me. But God's word says, no, no, no. There's, there's, something, there's something that we've forgotten about that supersedes all of man's ideas. A long lost recipe to living a life that makes an eternal difference. Just because it's old, just because it's ancient, doesn't mean that it doesn't work. This is what satisfies the longing inside of each of us. So look, if you would, in Matthew chapter 28, and let's look at this. I think we can find a timeless recipe for a life that makes a difference inside of the last words of Jesus to his friends. Now, quick background. Jesus has gone to the cross. And the moment that they arrested Jesus and they began to, uh, to beat him and, and to just completely humiliate him in front of people, um, his disciples scattered, and rightfully so. They were afraid. They freaked out. They believed still that Jesus was, was not only the Messiah, but that he was coming to overthrow Rome and that at any moment he would come and just show people this miraculous power and they were gonna restore Israel to become a nation again. But Jesus kept saying, my kingdom's not of this world. You're thinking too small. We're not here to just build a kingdom and set you guys up as my cabinet. You're thinking too small. He has an eternal perspective. He was thinking about me and you. And it was a struggle for them. So when they see Jesus get arrested and, and put to death, hung on a cross like a, like a thief, like a murderer, like a liar, treated like a dog and just abused and humiliated before people, they, of course, scattered. But three days later, Jesus gets up out of the grave and reveals himself to a group of women and tells them, go tell my disciples. And he says, tell them to meet me. To meet me. He gives a specific spot. I want you guys to meet me. And of course the ladies do. They carry the first message of the risen Christ, the gospel of Jesus and the, and the fact that he's alive. They carry that message and Jesus trusts these fantastic ladies with it. But the disciples didn't all believe them. They had to go see for themselves. And they come to the tomb and Jesus isn't there. They start talking to angels and they still don't believe. They start talking among themselves like, this is weird, this is crazy. I don't know if we could trust these. I don't know. That person's known to drink. Maybe we can't trust what they say. I don't know. But then they meet Jesus when they decide to go and show up at the place that they were told to go. And this is where we pick up the story in Matthew 28. This is the last conversation that Jesus has with his friends before he walks off this planet. And he tells them this, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. That's important. We're gonna come back to it in just a moment. When they saw him, they worshiped him. And look at these next few words. But some doubted. So they went, they showed up, they worshiped him, even in their doubts. That's important. That gives people like me and you hope. That means they don't have to come and have it all figured out. 
You don't have to believe, believe with complete faith all the time. I can come to Jesus in doubt and just say, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I showed up. I've got my doubts. I've got my faults. But I'm here. It says they showed up, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And the, most, the, the two most important words in everything that Jesus says is found in those next two words. Make disciples. If you have a paper Bible, underline those two words. Because those are written in the original language. Those are written in the command. In, in today's language, you say bold font, underline three times. Make disciples. You cannot underemphasize those two words in this text. Make disciples disciples. And he says, of all nations. That means the people that you're going to make disciples are not all going to be Jews. They're not all going to be from here. You're going to have to travel. You're going to have to go. You're going to have to meet people that don't look like you, act like you, think like you, raise like you, born like you, didn't come from the same neighborhood, don't have the same hairstyle, don't have the same beliefs. Go. Make disciples of all nations. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's kind of ironic that Jesus says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age, and then he leaves. <laughs> Can you imagine the awkwardness in that moment when Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, and just like, whoop. <laughs> like, how... How strange would it have been for like the next three or four minutes and they're just like, wait, he just, he just said he's not gonna leave us. That looks like left. And he's just gone. And so in those last words to Christ, just as Jesus steps off this planet and begins to send the Holy Spirit to empower them to do what he just told them to do, which is important, by the way, we can't, we can't underemphasize that either. He gives them the Holy Spirit, but in those words, we find some things that are very relevant today, things that our culture has rejected, things that they don't see the importance of, and we find the long lost recipe to scratch the itch that each of us have been given on the inside to make a difference, to make an eternal difference, to have a life that's not wasted, to have a life that's lived on purpose, for a purpose. We find it right there in the last words of Christ. I wanna give you three things that are important. If you're a note taker, please write this down. This is gonna help you. Our world doesn't value this anymore, but we as believers need to recognize the importance of these timeless truths, these great principles that God has laid out for us in his word. Here's the first thing I wanna show you. Number one, making a difference starts with showing up in spite of my doubts and imperfections. Just show up. It says, they went where Jesus had commanded them to go, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love that. I love that it includes that. It would be easy for us to just say, yeah, they, they went and they heard a great message from Jesus and they went and carried out exactly what he told them to do. That's not really what happened. It's that it took a process of them just showing up in the midst of their fears. Remember, Peter has backslidden and denied Christ. Remember, he had gone to fish and others had just scattered because they were afraid, but they still showed up which is where many of us find ourselves today. I'm here. I came. I'm at church today. I'm trying to honor the Lord. 
in spite of my doubts and imperfections, in spite of a rough week, in spite of my fears, in spite of the things I had to walk through, in spite of the status of my marriage or in spite of the status of my finances or my family's not doing good, I'm, I'm sick or the things that you bring to the table, you're still here. You still showed up. It tells me I don't have to be perfect, convinced or ready. I just have to show up. A life that makes a difference starts with just showing up. And it helps to combat this, this, this kind of filter that we put on our relationship with Jesus of, yeah, if I want to live a life that makes a difference for Jesus, I got to get cleaned up first. Right. Not really. Jesus doesn't address their doubts, doesn't address the fact that they've wandered off and done horrible things and been scattered in fear. He just says, now, let's go. You're ready. Whoa. I think many of them were like me and you, like, wait, can we, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, can we talk about? I've got some personal issues going on right now. It's not really a good time for me. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to work on Monday. I can't really. Jesus said, let's go. We're going to make disciples. Jesus knows exactly what they've just walked through. He says, I still choose you. Why? Because you showed up. And you're willing to do it. In spite of what you feel or don't feel, you're still willing to saddle up and do it. A life that makes a difference starts with just showing up in spite of my doubts or imperfections. You know, I remember uh, coming, back to, coming back to church, man. I had been, uh, been out of church for a long time and did not like the church, didn't like Christians. I had said some horrible things about Christianity and uh, the same things I still hear today from a lot of people, the, the reasons why they don't come to church. And some of those are valid. Some of those are excuses. Some of them are right. Some of them are just my perception. But I, but I had them right, wrong, or indifferent. It's the way that I felt. And I remember finally surrendering my life to the Lord and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to go back to church. I'm like, oh, can I just have a relationship with you? It's just me and Jesus. I don't, I don't want to be around his people. And I hear the same thing come out of my mouth that I've heard other people say, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. And I heard Jesus dealing with that in my own heart. And Jesus says, that's my bride. I don't know about you, but it's not a compliment when someone tells me, I really love you, but I can't stand your wife. First of all, no one's ever said that. Maybe the opposite is true, but it ain't never been said to me. And if you did, it's the last conversation we're gonna have. Why? Because I love her and she loves me and we are one. The moment that we put that ring on, we're, we're one. You can't separate that. We're not perfect. And the church isn't perfect either. And God began to speak to my heart about his people. And so I chose the biggest church in town and I thought, I'm, all right, I'm gonna be obedient. I'm gonna go in spite of my doubts, in spite of my imperfections, in spite of my hurts, in spite of my challenges, I'm gonna go back to church. And I did what many people still do today. I walked in the back a little bit late, snuck onto that back row and like, I'm just gonna kind of sit incognito and say, okay, I'm here, I did it. But the Lord had other plans for me, man. There was a guy named Billy that was ushering and Billy had a blue blazer on back in the day. That church all had all their ushers in blue blazers and he was sharp and he comes up to me and he looks at me and, and uh, stares at me. I'm like, why are you staring at me, old man? And he's like, hey, good morning, my name is Billy. And he shook out his hand and I'm, and I'm just like, easy, man, it's early. I'm trying to be incognito here. He says, come here, son. And so I, I shake his hand, he gives me that hearty handshake. Welcome to church. I'm so glad that you made it today. Welcome, welcome. What's your name, son? And I said, my name's Tim, dude. Keep it down. Hey. <laughs> he said, well, my name is Billy, and I'll tell you what. 
If I ever forget your name, I owe you a nickel. I've got a pocket full of nickels. And if I ever get too old and I can't remember your name, if I ever forget it, you call me on it and I'll owe you a nickel. How's that? A, is that a deal? Uh, okay, man. That, yeah, cool. Tim, let me look at you. Tim, your name is Tim. Let me find you a seat, Tim. Where you want to sit? Like as far away from you as possible, man. I ain't. You're on about nine. I'm, I'm on a three. Like get, get down to my level. But I never forgot someone that was willing to step into the gap and be used by the Lord in spite of all the fears and things that I had. He just overcame them by the fact that he was smiling and nice and talked to me. And I never forgot that feeling of the Lord wouldn't let me remain anonymous. And I just showed up and God began to meet me and deal with that. You know, in the midst of that simple greeting, which he did with everybody, made me feel incredibly special. Something was birthed inside of my heart. I didn't recognize it at the time. I was so far from it. But there was a DNA shift that began to happen. And an idea at the back of my mind that just began to form. Where I said, if I'm ever the pastor of a church, I want that. I want to greet people like that. I want to remember people's names and make them feel special. I don't know what they're walking in here with. What would it look like if people that were serving the church acted like Billy? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you came today. Where you, you want a seat? Let me find a seat for you. What's your name again? I couldn't remain anonymous around people like Billy. He pulled it out of me because I showed up and he was willing to be used to make a difference. He made a difference far beyond just the interaction of that day. He hard imprinted something onto my DNA. It started with just showing up. So I don't have to be perfect, convinced already. I just have to show up. You know, God knows me in my past. He knows my failures, he knows my hurts and chooses to love me anyway. You just gotta show up. I wanna remind you of this simple truth. Doubts don't make me an unbeliever. Unbelief does. You can show up in spite of your doubts. You can show up in spite of your fears. You can show up in spite of, in spite of your past. Just show up for the love of God. Just show up. Just come. I'm here. You don't have to like it, but you showed up. And God still honors that. I, for one, am thankful that he does. I'm thankful that he wouldn't let me just get away with simple obedience. All right, I'll do it. I don't like it. God loves me too much to let me get away with that. See, let me show you something. And you take one step, and God begins to do what only God can do. And it was powerful, and it changed my life. Making a difference starts with just showing up. I love Billy Graham said, just come as you are. Just as I am, I come. Just show up. Here's the second key. I want to make sure that you see this. Number two, this is important. Making a difference is others-focused, not self-promoting. And by the way, this flies in the face of everything that you're going to see online or how people will say you got to make a name for yourself today. You do that by promoting yourself, building your brand, man, becoming something awesome so that people will recognize and say, you're awesome. Jesus says, or... Go make disciples. It's not about you. It's about those that are coming. That's different. But the Lord is speaking to his disciples and said, that's how you make an eternal difference. It's not about you. I love that Jesus says, don't go make another church. I love Jesus doesn't say, 
Go make a name for yourself. Look at me. We don't need to make a name for ourselves. There's already one name. It's above my name. It's above your name. It's not the name of High Ridge. It's not the name of Tim. It's not the name of Ingram. It's the name of Jesus. That's the only name that we need. I'm not here to build a name for myself. I'm here to promote his name. Jesus is the hero of every story. Jesus is the hero of every sermon. It's Jesus. It's not about me. It's him. It's Christ. Paul says, I've resolved to know one thing. Christ and him crucified. It's him. Paul says, I want to know him. Just know him. And I want people to know him as well. He didn't say go build something bigger, go build it better, go make disciples. And Jesus is not saying to you, go make a name for yourself. He's not saying go build a brand. Not that there's anything wrong with those things. They don't make an eternal difference. But Jesus says, if you humble yourself, I'll build you up. So when Jesus tells us to make disciples, um, it's written in, in, in the command tense. Now, when he says, I want you to baptize them, teach them, I want you to go, those are all written as byproducts of these two words, to make disciples. And it would be easy for us to say, okay, that's a pastor's job, to make disciples. Mm, no. Second Timothy, Paul says, the pastor's job is to equip the people for the work of the Lord. My job is to give you the tools. And I'm not gonna fail at that. I'm gonna give you the tools. But you gotta do the work. He says, make disciples. What is a disciple? What is that gonna look like? A disciple is simply someone who serves and follows Jesus, not themselves. They've laid down their life and said, I, I choose Jesus. Someone that says, I, I have these things about me that I might not like, but I love Jesus more, so I choose him. That's a disciple, a follower of Christ that says, I, I want what he wants more than I want what I want. There's something beautiful that happens, by the way, in your life where you recognize that all the things that the world is saying, this defines you, you can lay those down and say, no, I, I, want, I want him. I want him more than I want those things. That's discipleship. And the Lord is looking at each of our lives and saying, I want you to be a disciple and I want you to make disciples. I want you to love me and have a relationship with me first and foremost. I want you to show people how to do that, how to fall radically passionately in love with Jesus. That's how you make an eternal difference. So when Jesus says, go into all the world, he's telling, us, he's, he's telling his disciples at that time, go to every place that you can get to and anyone that the Holy Spirit will lead you to along the way. That still applies to us. Everywhere you go, anybody the Holy Spirit leads you to talk to, be willing to say, hey, okay, Lord, what would you have me to say? Am, am I supposed to smile, be a friend? Am I supposed to put a hand on a shoulder? Am I supposed to ask someone to... Can I pray for you or are you okay? This is what that discipleship process begins to look like as we say, okay, Lord, I, I'm willing to go. Monday, on my way to work, how I treat my boss, how I treat my subordinates, how I treat my wife, how I treat my children, how I treat my husband. I'm representing you. I'm going into all of my world. What Jesus is asking them to do in that moment is the same thing he asks of us, to simply build a relationship with people that builds a bridge to Jesus. I wanna leave that on the screen for just a moment for you to see, because this is important. We're not building a relationship with people so that we can grow our network and build our brand. But we're allowing the Holy Spirit the freedom to give us supernatural moments throughout the day where we can be used by God. 
I'm simply building a relationship with people that helps connect them to Jesus. You still with me? Is this okay? So Jesus tells them, this is what I want you to do. Did they do it? Ultimately, yes. But at the beginning, absolutely not. They're like, people, me, me and you. Like Jesus came, had this awesome encounter. What do we want to do? Let's have more church. And man, they start having church. The Holy Spirit falls, 3,000 people get saved. Like, this is great. Let's have more campuses. Let's have more services. Let's get it bigger and bigger and bigger. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 I told you to go. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not supposed to gather. Of course, we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But he said, you're, you're supposed to go into your world. And they're like, That's, nah, man, this is really cool here. I like this. It's a good church service. In Acts chapter one, the Holy Spirit falls and it says, now, you're gonna be known by disciples of Judea, Samaria, the outermost parts of the earth. And then you get to chapter eight and they still hadn't gone. Church is just growing, getting bigger. Like, this is awesome. Look at what happens in chapter eight. Look at this. On that day, great persecution broke out in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered. Jesus says, you're gonna go or I'm gonna make you go. I'm gonna make things a little uncomfortable for you, but you're gonna be my disciples because you've got a call on your life. You are called to make a difference. You are not the same as everybody else. You're not just called to make a life. You're called to make a difference. He says, I will make it uncomfortable for you. I wonder how many things have we rebuked and rejected and say, that could not be God's will for my life because that's hard. And that's God saying, no, I'm trying to get you to go. Go. There's a city that needs your help. There's a city that needs what you've learned. There's people around your life that need more than you. They need the Jesus in you. I remember in 2020, the outrage that happened when uh, governors began to ask churches to not meet. I remember, boy, people got really upset. Got real awkward in here for a moment. Remember the outrage? How dare you? We can't. That's part of our fundamental rights as believers. We have to gather together. And we fought for that. But where's the same outrage about us going? We have to be able to go. No, it's like, oh, I don't want to be offensive to people. I don't want to say the wrong thing or I don't want to, I, 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 that, that just, that's not me. I'm busy. I can't. Oh, you're passionate about the gathering, which I'm thankful for, but about the going part? Let me show you this, that there is a clear biblical distinction between gathering and going, and I need to do both. Gather together with believers. Get some biblical truth. Get some encouragement. Get some strength. Take care of one another. Serve one another. And then I need to go. And to step outside of myself and give something back. Jesus says, go. He didn't say stay. He said, go. You have a world that God is calling you into. You are called to go into your world tomorrow. And represent Christ. I'm not ready. I have doubts. I'm not quite sure I understand. What if they ask me about dinosaurs? I don't know. <laughs> Just go. You're going to be fine. You know what happens if people ask you a question that you don't know the answer to? Say, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> but how can I pray for you? Are you okay? Do you need some help? Is there anything that I can do? Sometimes the greatest breakthroughs in people's lives to start with a simple interaction of somebody that just cares. This is how we live a life that makes an eternal difference. We start caring about someone outside of ourselves. Here's the third key I wanna show you. Number three, a life that makes an eternal difference starts with allowing the Lord to use 
today for his glory. Not for mine, for his. I want to make sure that you know the Lord's not calling some cleaned up future version of you where you have everything worked out and all your life is in order. There's not a single thing wrong with your life and then God will use it. That's not going to, that's not going to happen. You're always going to be dealing with something because you're human. You are imperfect. You have your issues. If you don't believe that you have issues, ask the person that's wearing your wedding ring. They probably have a list of things. You ain't perfect. Now my wife is, but nobody else in here is. So I'm just telling you, she's great. But think about this, how quickly we will dismiss ourselves and dismiss what God can do in our lives because I've got issues, I've got things. I need, I'm the one that needs, to help, need, needs the help. I, I, I can't be helping people. Now just be willing to go into your world tomorrow and be used by God in whatever way that looks like. The first thing out of my mouth in the morning is thank you, Lord, for waking me up. Would you use this day to bring, your glory, bring yourself glory? It's not about me. This is how I keep from becoming another narcissistic pastor that is self-absorbed, doing everything he can to manipulate people to do what he wants. This is how I do that. I submit myself every single day. Lord, this is for your glory, not for mine. You know what, you, you know what happens when you begin to do things like that? God begins to raise you up because he can trust you with his message. He says, go into all the world, make disciples. I want, I want to see people Start professing a relationship with Christ. He says, I want you to baptize them. And it's easy for us to say, okay, this isn't written for us because I'm not supposed to be putting people in water. Uh, that's called drowning. That's assault. You know, Pastor, you're going to have to do that on baptism Sunday. But let me just remind you of the simple truth that if you, if you understand it that way, then, then yeah, that doesn't apply to you. Most people will never baptize someone else. But that doesn't let you off the hook because baptism is simply a public declaration of a relationship with Jesus. When you recognize baptism for what it is, it's more than just being immersed in water. It's saying to my family and to my friends, to the world, I'm off the market. I no longer live to please me. I live to please Christ. It's a public declaration of an inward change. Jesus says, you're gonna start seeing people that have been baptized. They're starting to make public declarations of an inward change. This is how we know that we're making a difference. By the people that you're allowing the Lord to, to use you to minister to, they start changing the way that they speak. They start changing the way that they act, changing the jokes that they listen to, changing the things that they're looking at, changing the people that are no longer good influence on their lives. You start seeing your life begin to bear fruit because of your willingness to step in and be Christ. Do you see it? He said, I want you to baptize people. I want people to have a public declaration of that inward change, to stop living in the shadows. But Jesus gets very real in their life. So I don't have to put people underwater to see them make a public declaration of faith. Then I have to bail you out of jail if you do that. If you drown somebody, I, I, I thought that was funny. But then Jesus says, I want you to teach them. And I think many people would dismiss this part of what Jesus is saying, saying, I can't teach anybody anything. I ain't a teacher, man. I, I, I barely know anything. But when Jesus says, teach them, he says, teach them to obey the things that I've taught you. And by the way, that lowers the bar way down to only what has Jesus shown me? What do I know to be true? I can teach that. What are you learning today? What has God spoken to you about today? Because that gives you all you need to share with somebody in need tomorrow. Teach them what I've taught you. And you will begin to make an eternal 
difference. Jesus says, lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Notice he didn't say to the very end of your lives. He said to the end of the age. That means it's speaking to us for all time. As long as time is still called time until time is rolled up and there is no more time, Jesus says, I'm gonna be with you. And that's what he means when he steps off the planet and takes off. And they're like, wait, he said he would be with us. He said, oh, until the end of the age. And every single one of these amazing friends of Jesus laid down their life for the cause of Christ. You see, to make an eternal difference, I have to think eternally. It's bigger than just this moment. And you gotta be willing to just get in the game, to start somewhere, to make a difference today. So when I was in high school, I finally got the chance to play high school baseball. And this was at a, a 5A school with a lot of guys that were really good, a massive high school with a great baseball program. And it, 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 was, it was a huge goal for me. And so I got to play, you know, freshman and then JV. Um, but once I got up to, uh, to, to much faster pitchers in high school, especially at a 5A school, some of those guys could throw um, in the high 80s, low 90s. I mean, they could bring it. And um, I, I, I don't see out of my left eye. And so that's, that's, that's fine when you want to play youth baseball, but I can't pick up the faster pitches. They just... I swing too late and it's very difficult for me. And so I realized very quickly that this was probably the end of my baseball career, even though I loved the game, you know, just loved everything about it. I recognized there ain't no scouts gonna be calling me. This is probably the end of it. And so when I finally got onto the varsity team, I knew that I was gonna be sitting the bench most of the time because I just couldn't hit very well. I couldn't pick it up. And if you throw me a curveball or anything slower, like I can, I'm all over it, but a simple fastball and I'm out. And so I set the bench, but I was just happy to be on, I'm happy to be in the team picture. I'm happy to be part of the, I'm happy to wear the expensive uniforms, the nice ones with your name across the back. Oh yes, I have arrived. <laughs> and I determined the moment that they put me on that team, I'm here to make a difference. So if I need to fill up the Gatorade bottles, I'll fill up the Gatorade bottles. If I need to rub the leather into the other guy's gloves, fine. If I need to, to warm up the, the, the pitcher while the guys, uh, the catcher is, is putting on his gear, getting ready, I'll do that. Whatever it takes. I just want to make a difference. Just get me in the game any way that I can be, be useful. And I would cheer on the other guys and encourage them and they made a good play and try to help out in any way that I could, knowing that this is the end of the line for me. I want to make a difference. And I remember making myself valuable to the coach and they, they liked it because I was part of the team, even if I wasn't playing. And so it's towards the end of my, towards the end of my, my career there in baseball season, my senior year, and uh, Coach Chavez said, Ingram, get up, get a bat. And I'm like, are you serious, bro? Seriously? Said, grab a bat, man, you've earned it. Okay, so I grab a bat, grab a helmet, grab the wrong bat, man. This thing was like 38 ounces, like swinging a two by four, like, oh God. But I didn't wanna go back and embarrass myself, just carried it. I remember walking into the batter's box and watching this guy. He'd been throwing, you know, 91, 92. And I'm thinking, there's no chance. But he throws, that first, he throws that first fastball high and tight. I leaned right into it, took it right full force in the ribs. Don't even care. Hit me. <laughs> there's a scripture that said, you fall on the rock or let the rock fall on you. Like, bring it, bring it. I just want to get on base to make a difference. And I took that shot right in the ribs. Like, oh God, hurt so bad. Had the biggest smile on my face. Don't care. Like, are you okay? You want to you get pulled? No, don't put me back on that bench. I'm hobbling. On. <laughs> make it all the way to first base. Take my little lead off. Take two or three steps off the first bag. And at the first move of that pitcher, I take off for second. Didn't even get a sign to steal. Don't care. Here to make a difference. Slide into second. Safe. And I get up and coach like, what are you doing? I said, I ain't here to take part. I'm here to take over, baby. I'm glad to get in the game. This might be my only shot. He said, do not steal any more bases. Stay there until I tell you to move. I'm like, I ain't even listening right now, man. I'm so happy to be here. 
at the end of that inning, I'm like, am I done? He said, no, go out and play right field. Well, can we stick you out in right? And I'm like, sweet. And I run out to right field and somebody hits a ground ball to me. I pick it. I sling it towards home plate with everything that I have. And the first base is like, what are you doing? I'm like, ain't nobody running on me. I'm bringing the heat today. Threw out my shoulder. Don't even care. Don't even care. Like I'm showing you all the skills I got. I remember a guy towards the end of the game hits this deep shot uh, in between me and the center fielder. And I just take off running with everything I have full force. And I mean, the center fielder's running back. He's calling, I got it. I'm like, shut up. No, you don't. This is my time. I remember leaping at the wall for that, for that home run. And, and I hit the outfield wall so hard. It caught me in those same ribs, flipped over the wall and still caught it. Still caught it. Come back up holding that ball. Can't breathe. Face turning blue, ribs. I'm like, I, I definitely have long-term injuries. This is gonna take an MRI and a body cast or something. I don't care. Couldn't breathe, couldn't walk right for about three weeks. Don't care. Just want to get in the game. And I bring that same attitude towards making an internal difference for Christ. Just get me in the game. I want to be a part of this. I want to do whatever I can with whatever skills God has given me. I'm not the biggest or the best or the strongest. I've got limited time. Man, I want to make a difference in the time that I have left. And I bring that as the vision of our church. Because I believe that there are some people in this room today, you've come in here hoping to become anonymous just like I did. And God loves you too much to leave you there. You were called to make a difference, to get in the game. And you've got your excuses like I had mine. I'd been hurt, spiritually abused, Raked over the coals, burn out. And God loves me too much to leave me there. I started to serve. And I found something that was bigger and better than building a name for myself. I wonder what's waiting on the other side of your yes. What kind of a difference could you make? I want to remind you that there's, there's somebody that led Billy, Billy Graham to Christ. You never know what God can do with a life that's surrendered to him. But if you're willing to get on the team and serve in any capacity that the Lord would see fit to allow you to serve in, you're gonna see things that, that will happen that are beyond your wildest dreams. I'm here as proof that the limits for my life are much bigger than the ones I'd set for myself. I wonder what God could do with you. My friend, there are plenty of opportunities to serve. I think you need it. We serve here as a church. I've shared with you these statistics before. About 20% of a healthy church will serve. Um, we have a 63% serving rate here. It's huge. We have a serving church. But look at me. That ain't 100 you're called to go, to make a difference. And if you've never done that before, if you've never served in any capacity, we're gonna help you to do that. We want you serving. Not because we need more people serving. You need this. Yeah. This is good for you yeah. to lay down yourself, to lay down your rights, to lay down what you think you don't have and to simply look at someone and say, good morning. I'm glad you came to church today. What's your name? Can I get you a cup of coffee? Maybe your call is to sit with some babies, to rock a kid to teach a Sunday school lesson to a group of kids that don't know. Maybe your call is to 
across the pond in some distant land. You'll never know until you start somewhere. But there are plenty of things that are easy ways for you to serve. We've got Beast Feast coming up with our men's, men's ministry. We've got Daddy-Daughter Dance coming up. Uh, it's great opportunities for you to serve there if you want. You can serve in, in our sisterhood, women's ministry. There's mentors and mentees that are great relationships happening where ladies that are mature in the faith are beginning to mentor and raise up the younger sisters in the faith. That's an awesome thing. They're great opportunities for you to serve. You ought to see what's happening in our youth department on Wednesday nights. You need to see that. God's doing good things. The only thing missing is you. I want you to be a part of it. I started out by opening the door on a Wednesday night. Learning how to submit my will every single day. And God began to do things I couldn't imagine. What could he do with your life? It's time for you to serve. It's time. I'm gonna put up a QR code there. If you'd like, you can take a picture of that with your phone. It'll show you all different opportunities or you can go to highridgelv.com slash serve if you want to. But we wanna get you plugged in. You need to start somewhere. Look at me. I love you. My job is to equip you, to give you an opportunity to do it. But you've gotta take it. I've done everything within my skill and my ability to present this to you as the truth of God's word. And now it's up to you to take it. My job is to equip you to do the work that God has called you to do. And I'm gonna give you a chance to get your feet wet by serving something bigger than yourself. You're gonna find when you lay down your insecurities, you lay down your fears and your worries and all the issues that you've got, you've got your anxieties, you've got your reasons why you can't and you're busy, I get it. When you start laying those things down for the cause of Christ, those things start disappearing rapidly. God begins to deal with those things rapidly. I love what God told David when David wants to build a temple. God says, because you had a heart to build my house, I'm gonna build a house for you. God says, you wanna serve my bride? I'm gonna invest into your marriage. You begin to unlock things that people don't see when you start laying down what you think is right and picking up what his word says to do. You know, when I lay down my life to serve his mission, I don't just make a life, I make a difference. And that's my hope for you. Can we finish up right there? Is that okay? As we finish up today, I wanna to invite you, if you would, to, let's just have a moment where we listen to the Lord and kind of respond to him. Can you just bow your head and close your eyes? I wanna invite you to pray a prayer that just, it's simple. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Can you do that? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Speak to every area of our lives. Lord, help us to never be so busy that we've forgotten that our life is about making a difference for your kingdom. Lord, we've given our lives to you and to you alone to be used at your discretion to serve your kingdom, to serve your bride, to serve your children, to serve your cause and your heart. Help us, Lord. We want to please you in every way. In Jesus' name. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, perhaps you're here today or maybe you're even watching online and you're gonna say, Pastor, if, you're, if I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe like me, you'd, you'd gone to church before but you've gotten away from him and life's gotten pretty dark and you know that you need to come home. My friend, if I'm talking to you right now, if you're hearing it and you're saying that's me, then I wanna invite you right where you are to pray a prayer. I'll tell you what to say 
But pray this prayer right where you are. Pray it with me. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it silently. It doesn't matter. Pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died and rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I'm sorry. Lord, take over my life. I give myself to you right now. In Jesus' name. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if you prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor? Would you just look up at me all over this room and slip your hand up and say, that was me? I did. I prayed that prayer. Good. Good, good. Good, I see you. Many of you in this service, perhaps you're watching online and, and, and you prayed that prayer with me. Hey, I'm so proud of you. I don't want this to be the end of your relationship with Jesus. This is the beginning. So let me help you take the next step. So on the screen is appearing a number, 844-HRC-TEXT. Text the words, I pray, to that number. If you're with us in person today, that, that number works for you as well. But I've prepared some things that are gonna help you understand what just happened and what to do next. That's my gift to you. I'm proud of you. Good for you. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would and stand to your feet. It's been such an honor bringing this series to a close and I pray that you were as encouraged by it as, as I was bringing it. I wanna say thank you to all of you who are watching online. Please don't forget to share this message with your friends. Our world needs to hear this. I have our elders and their wives stepping forward and they're gonna be available to pray for you about anything that you might need prayer for. We would love to pray for you. And so as they step forward, I just wanna remind you, I'm glad you came today. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you showed up. And I can't wait to see what God does in your life as you step in faith and onto the mission field tomorrow. Good for you. Good for you. Let me pray for you and bless you as you go. Father, I pray that you'd bless my friends with an incredible week following after you all week long. In Jesus' name, and all of us said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.